Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. You mean to tell me Snoop Dogg's grand and formal declaration that he was stopping smoking turns out to be a solo stove ad? My biggest takeaway was good for solo stove. Just a moment of context for anyone who didn't see this. Basically, a few days ago, Snoop posts this black and white photo of himself with white text that says, After much consideration and conversation with my family, I've decided to give up smoke. Please respect my privacy at this time with his signature, and the caption is, I'm giving up smoke. So in my mind, I thought they were setting us up for the launch of some edible brand. Like It was clear, at least to me, that it was some form of a marketing play, but I really was expecting edibles or some form of smokeless weed. And then a few days later, he posts an ad for Solo Stove with the caption, I'm done with smoke. I'm going smokeless without Solo Stove, hashtag ad. Which, I mean, really out of left field. I could have listed probably 10 different things that I thought that Snoop quitting smoke was setting us up for and solo stove would certainly not have been on that list initially. Well, the funniest part about it for us, like when we were talking about it in our group chat is that, and you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, we have done ads for solo stove on the podcast for a while now. And like, I swear to God, this right now is not an ad. I happen to be a huge fan because I started using it. And then my dad got so hooked that like, Every time you hang out at my house in the summer, we genuinely are using the solo stove. And in my ad, I always talk about the smokeless design. So then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, how'd Snoop Dogg get my ad read? No, that is so funny. As soon as it came out, I said to you, I said, your dad's going to flip for this one. I know it's like combining our favorite things, weed and solo stove into an ad. I would love to know how much they paid Snoop for this. I think a fortune because now he can't use this anymore. You know, this was his one opportunity to kind of capitalize on the idea of him stopping smoking weed, which was such a big deal and sparked so many headlines. You can't really do that again. Right. It has very similar energy as to when an actor has a very specific role that they're known for and they revive that role, but then it's only for a commercial. Right. Wasn't that with just Mean Girls and and Walmart or there was a clueless one? Yeah, there's been a couple of them. It happens often, which I just think is a hilarious marketing tool. And by the way, incredibly effective. Like this campaign specifically was even more effective because of the sheer shock value of it being solo stove. Everyone knew it was going to be something. No one actually thought that Snoop was giving up smoking. But I mean, the plot twist of it being solo stove? Okay, so everyone but Queen Latifah, Conor McGregor, like you go to his comment section and it's like very big celebrities being like, you got this, you got this. And I do not think Queen Latifah was in on the fact that this was an ad. I genuinely think they were giving him support given the fact that in their minds, this was the first time he hadn't smoked weed in what, 40 years? 40 years, 40 minutes. (laughs) Right. I saw somebody tweet and they were like, I will never forgive Snoop Dogg for making Willie Nelson comment here if you need to talk and then having it all be an ad. Like Willie Nelson was so serious in lending his support to Snoop Dogg. 
I saw that tweet also, and I immediately went to look to see if the comment was there because obviously we would need to post that. And there are 174,000 comments on that post. And I was like, oh, well, maybe it's on one of the ones since then. Nobody, and I mean nobody, posts more than Snoop Dogg. He has 58,000 posts. And since the initial one, there's like a million. By the way, all of these posts in regard to the quitting smoking have tens of thousands of comments. Like that initial one, like you said, has almost 175,000 comments. The one after that, that says respect my privacy has 72,000 comments. Let's see how many the solo stove one has actually the announcement of it. 81,000 comments. Like this is probably one of the more successful campaigns you're ever going to see because Snoop posts a million times a day. And I would say on average, she gets like 400 comments, 500 comments, 1,000 comments, nothing of that nature. No, it's nuts. That's what I'm saying. Like solely from a marketing perspective, I would be so curious as to the analytics because if you are the marketing team or the agency that put this together, you are thrilled with the number of impressions. Like honestly, and I say this with so much love, this is the kind of shit that Martha Stewart for Skechers is hoping for. Right, I mean, and not just the engagement on the post, the engagement across the internet. I mean, it was yeah. it was really unbelievable. You know, it was a funny, you know, it's a funny thought. Imagine if Snoop didn't give the heads up to his personal blunt roller and all of a sudden you're his personal blunt roller and you're like, holy shit, am I about to lose my insurance? Right, all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm out of a job and then it ends up being a solo stove ad? Try explaining that to a Victorian child. Talk about some shit that would put an alien in a coma. <laughs> that right there. Yeah, that really would. No, true, <laughs> true. Okay, in other news... I know you guys did not think we were going to do this podcast without talking about Travis Kelsey for Wall Street Journal Magazine, December, January issue, the title, How Travis Kelsey Manifested the Best Year of His Life, because this is something. Um, No disrespect to their relationship, because I love it, and I've expressed my joy, appreciation, everything of it, but I, I need him bad. So in our time of doing this podcast, when it comes to specific magazine features, something that I have learned is that while people are very enthusiastic about sending us the initial post that announces certain celebrity being a cover star, they are far less enthusiastic when it comes to actually reading the article because many times I'll apologize for reading certain excerpts in fear of you know it feeling repetitive. And the overwhelming response we get is like, no, please read it because I saw the post and then I didn't click on the article. So I feel that we would be doing a disservice to this entire story by talking about it without at least reading some notes that I think are just worthy of analysis. Honestly, I, first of all, obviously paid to get the article from behind the paywall and then read the entire article myself. And I've, I've honestly, I've really been looking forward all day to you reading it to me. I'm not going to do the full thing. It's a roughly, I don't know, let's say 15 or so minute read, but I have to set you guys up with the first few paragraphs and then we can skip and go to the Taylor stuff. But it's important to have this setup that kind of then frames the rest of the article. By the way, I never thought a few months ago that we would be on here reading a Travis Kelsey feature. That feels like the kind of shit we would know nothing about. Well, except you pulled up a memory from a couple of years ago of you commenting on something saying, watching the season finale of Catching Kelsey tonight. So you really were ahead of your time there. I told you I was an OG fan of this guy. No, you pulled up the receipts on that one. Okay, so I just want to get us into the mood with the beginning of this article. Again, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I highly recommend reading it, but I want to just set the scene. This was done by J.R. Moringer, and it begins... When Travis Kelsey was a young man, his college football coach pulled him aside one day and told him the secret of life. Everybody you meet in this world is either a fountain or a drain. Quote, I need fountains, the coach growled at Kelsey. I don't need fucking drains, Travis. You're fucking draining me. The advice left a deep impression. Changed his life, says one of Kelsey's closest friends. Yes, Kelsey thought. You're either a giver of the basic wellsprings of life or a thirsty taker. He vowed to be the former. In a world of gutters, be a geyser. You can't help thinking about that fountain story, not only because Kelsey's custom-made Rolls Royce looks like a font of glowing light, not only because its silver goddess hood ornament is a burbling spigot of mercury. You think about that story because, as Kelsey stops at a red light, as shirtless guys begin shambling towards the Rolls, apparently intent on opening the doors, getting an autograph, maybe even catching a ride, Kelsey doesn't seem the least bit alarmed. He's smiling, waving, honking, even chuckling at a fan who leaps off the curb and, quote, hits the stanky leg, a dance Kelsey has been known to bust out after a touchdown. 
At one point, Kelsey rolls down the window and exchanges hellos with some guy, heedlessly reversing his rig into oncoming traffic just so he can pull alongside Kelsey and give a thumbs up. A different sort of celebrity might be more guarded, might even chirp those big rolls tires and speed away before someone throws their body across the luminous silver bonnet. But Kelsey's default emotion is this, exuberant extroversion. He likes people, loves people. Never mind deciding not to be a drain. If people gush at him, he can't help it. He gushes back. Noting all this, you think how fame itself might be a kind of fountain. Some people moan about getting wet, others frolic like kids around a hydrant. You even wonder if this fountain drain paradigm might be the skeleton key to Kelsey, the Rosetta Stone for which half of America seems to be hunting right now. Kelsey was famous for several years, thanks to his Hall of Fame resume, his symbiotic relationship with Mahomes, but that was just football famous. This year, after winning the Super Bowl, after hosting SNL, after starring in all the commercials, Kelsey became inescapable. And that was before, you know. Okay, we gotta just, we gotta pause for a second. I don't know why I like have the chills. The, the, that was before you know really got me. I know. And by the way, they say that you know, and then there are paragraphs and paragraphs before we even get to Taylor. I mean, there is a lot here. And I don't mean to take away from discussing him by only discussing him in the context of him and Taylor, but just for the pop culture sake of things, that does seem to be the biggest draw. And the way he was talking here... I, I, I think it was the combination of that I was learning a lot about him and less than learning, more so solidifying, I guess, the idea of what I had thought. And at least according to the journalist that did this interview, it, that being true, but then also being made so aware of just the free nature with which he would discuss what's going on in his life. You know, I think something that happens with celebrities is that we kind of form our own opinions about what type of person we think they are. and. There are a lot of times where celebrities live up to the hype that we've created of them in our heads, live up to the character that we've created of them in our heads. And then there's a lot of times where they don't. And I think that my biggest takeaway from this article is you can never 100% know a celebrity. You can never 100% know actually what type of person they are. However, if what is said about Travis Kelsey in this article is correct and the way that he not only is portrayed, but the way that he portrays himself, like... He matches up so exactly to what I had created him in my head over the past couple of months to be. Well, right. And I think the other piece of this that honestly can't be ignored as we get into the discussion of him and Taylor, or I guess the continuation of the discussion of him and Taylor, is that insight from anywhere is still insight. And so, no, this isn't a video of them together. No, we're not seeing the nights that he's talking about. But when you get more insight, not only about their relationship, but also about him as a person, it helps you to create whatever visual is in your mind about what their relationship might look like above what we are already seeing, which is already a lot and way more than we ever expected to get. So it's not only that you feel like you're getting to know him better, you feel that the version of him in your head that you had imagined is seemingly, at least according to this, kind of accurate. But then on top of that, you feel that you're just gaining a better understanding of their relationship. And at the current moment, that's the thing we, I say collective, we are most interested in. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. 
It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, so now we go towards the end of the article when it comes back to Taylor again. I'm not reading the whole thing, but I just like when we all process it together. For me, it makes it a far easier breakdown. So we then go into, at the moment, of course, the only thing millions of people want to know about Kelsey's future is whether or not it will include Taylor Swift. And the second thing they're dying to know is how he and she got together in the first place. More study has been dedicated to the opening salvos of their relationship than to the first seconds of the Big Bang. And thus far, both origins remain a mystery. People have even speculated that Kelsey somehow spoke his desire into the universe and just manifested Swift. Did he sit in a dark room and just say Jumanji three times? He laughs, quote, I don't know if I want to get into all of it, he says, and then he gets into it because Fountain. It all started when he tried to meet Swift at her Arrowhead concert in July and got blocked, presumably by security. He then recounted the experience in a charming way on the podcast he does with Jason. Soon after, he says, he receives an unbidden assist from inside Team Swift. Losing my fucking mind, okay. Quote, there were definitely people she knew that knew who I was in her corner who said, yo, did you know he was coming? I had somebody playing Cupid. He wasn't aware at the time, however, the revelation only came later after he looked down at his phone and got the shock of a lifetime. Quote, she told me exactly what was going on and how I got lucky enough to get her to reach out. He let slip that some of his early helpers were part of the Swift family tree. Quote, she'll probably hate me for saying this, but when she came to Arrowhead, they gave her the big locker room as a dressing room and her little cousins were taking pictures in front of my locker. I'm sorry, I have to just pause for a second. Are you losing it from that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind from this whole thing. Understandably, he's not handing out details about the first date, though he will say that he managed to not be nervous. Quote, when I met her in New York, we'd already kind of been talking, so I knew we could have a nice dinner and like a conversation and what goes from there will go from there. If anyone was nervous, he adds, it was his core group. Quote, everyone around me telling me, don't fuck this up, and me sitting here saying, yeah, got it. As those first heady days unfolded, as news bulletins and cutaways showed Swift cheering Kelsey on from his suite, Kelsey was uncharacteristically guarded with the media. Quote, that was the biggest thing to me. Make sure I don't say anything that would push Taylor away. I'm sorry, I just have to pause. That is the conversation we were having of like, you could tell this was new to him. He didn't necessarily know how to play it. And I think he specifically had the understanding that to him, events in his personal life never received this type of attention. So he never had to be that careful with what he chose to share. Like what he chose to share or not share never needed to be this thought out process because it was only impacting him in a way, not to remove the role of the other party, of course, but it wasn't that type of attention. This was a whole other ball game. And so for him to call that out was just so satisfying because that's the exact thing that we were so curious about in the beginning stages. Well, I think that it is a really important lesson for everyone, but specifically for men to have, which is like, you don't have to put that much thought into how to approach a situation with respect if you are a naturally respectful person. And that is kind of what we have seen Travis illustrate throughout this entire thing. Like the way that he has spoken about his relationship with Taylor is not the norm for celebrities, specifically not the norm for celebrity men in bringing, quote, their business into the public. But I think what happens with Travis is that he manages to do it in a way that comes off as nothing but celebratory and excited and respectful. And so this concept of like, okay, I have to really think about everything that I want to say. And like, if I'm putting something out, the media is going to twist it. But what Travis really gets across here is that like, when you handle a situation naturally, respectfully, because that is who you are, the risk of that happening isn't quite so strong. Who you are and also how you were raised, which I want to get into because they now talk about his mom and that now viral moment of her on the Today Show. So it says... Likewise, his mother, Donna Kelsey, still berates herself for how she handled a question about Taylor on the Today Show. Trying not to sound too enthusiastic, she came off underwhelmed. 
Kelsey, not wanting his mom to feel bad, immediately phoned her and assured her that she did a super job, adding that her green eyeglasses looked great. These days, however, with the relationship progressing, Donna feels more at liberty. Quote, I can tell you this, she says, beaming. He's happier than I've seen him in a long time. God bless him. He shot for the stars. Kelsey seems freer too. He doesn't need to be asked about Taylor. He mentions her unreservedly, lavishes praise on her, calls her hilarious, a genius, notes that they share compatible worldviews, especially when it comes to family and work. Quote, everybody knows I'm a family guy, he says. Her team is her family. Her family does a lot of stuff in terms of the tour, the marketing, being around. So I think she has a lot of those values as well, which is right up my alley. One of Kelsey's friends describes a sweet, magical moment, a late night gathering around Kelsey's fire pit. By the way, immediately when they said fire pit, I was thinking to myself, solo stroke? We're sending them one. Kelsey and Swift look like two peas in a pod, the friend says. And at one point, they even burst into a memorable duet of teenage dirtbag. Kelsey squints into the distance. He's not sure they were singing Weedis, but he allows that his memory might be compromised. Quote, there was some wine involved for sure. It then goes into how way before meeting her, he had been a Swifty and being at the concert, you know, counting down the minutes till she played blank space and talking about how, you know, he says, I've never been a man of words. Being around her, seeing how smart Taylor is, has been fucking mind blowing. I'm learning every day. And the words that he uses is that she can kind of turn life into poetry, which the way he describes it is like, so not a skill set that he has. And it, it, it almost gave the energy that he's like, just mesmerized by her very being, both talent and also just like the way she approaches the world. And it then gets into, which is a conversation I think we have been so curious about, the difference in their fame levels and kind of how he's handling this. So it says, something you might need to learn from Swift, how to handle the attention. Kelsey lives in a quiet neighborhood north of downtown. Leafy trees, trim lawns, no gates. There's now a clutch of desperate looking dudes with cameras stationed on his sidewalk 24 seven. He's followed everywhere, drones buzzing overhead, It's stressful more than he lets on, according to one confidant. Quote, obviously I've never dated anyone with that kind of aura about them. I've never dealt with it, Kelsey says. But at the same time, I'm not running away from any of it. The scrutiny she gets, how much she has a magnifying glass on her, every single day, paparazzi outside her house, outside every restaurant she goes to, after every flight she gets off, and she's just living, enjoying life. When she acts like that, I better not be the one acting all strange. I loved that line. I can't believe we're getting this. I know. it, And you know the other thing? I know I had made this point a while ago, but this is still the thing that sticks out to me the most. I can't believe we're getting all of this. And still the overwhelming majority of people reading this do not feel even a little bit like it's Cloud Chasey. Like it feel, I, I can't explain it other than it just feels so genuine. And there was so a world in which it didn't. Like it is so possible that he could have done this WSJ feature and- it would have been like, all right, he's really milking this. And for me, I can only speak for myself. And I guess from the response I've seen online, that just doesn't seem to be the feel. It's just not the vibe that he gives off in general. And there's a part in this article where they talk about his contract and they talk about how he makes $14 million a year. And it was a contract extension that he had taken with the chiefs to stay at the chiefs and then was underpaid as a result of that. Like I've heard this circulating online for a while and they specifically discuss him being underpaid in the article and underpaid for the sake of loyalty to his team. And I just think that the public understanding of that fact also plays into this in the sense of like, this is a guy who has clearly put forth a very specific public persona and a very specific character where I think people feel like the best traits about him, they know. And when he talks about Taylor and when he talks about his relationship, those are the traits that are coming through rather than what could come through for other people, which is just this assumed desire for clout. He doesn't come off in that way. And I think people really trust him. I know. I I feel that way as well. Also, like as a side from a business perspective, his agent was interviewed and he basically said, you know, at this point, like the NFL is his side hustle. I think that was exactly what he said, you know, basically alluding to how lucrative the endorsements are. Right. He's probably being paid more for State Farm than he is for a year in the NFL. Oh, his endorsements are definitely, I would I would estimate at least doubling his his NFL contract for sure. And I also think that's something in this article that really stood out to me because I really walked away from reading this being like, I love him. Like, and I know that happens whenever you read an article like this because it's set up and designed and written in that exact sort of way to make you have that reaction. But there's a part in it where they're talking about how he's crying and so openly emotional about the people in his life and how he loves his people. And I think that is the best trait that you can have. 
especially as a guy. Especially as a guy. Yes. Yeah. Although I, I actually didn't say this to you. I like really felt that for us, like separate from him when I was reading that, because I feel like our friend group specifically is constantly outwardly expressing our gratitude for each other and like our love for each other in a way that is like not subtle. You know what I mean? Like we all say, I love you a million times a day. It's it's true. No, it, I mean, it is true, but it's also the best thing that you can do. Oh my, it's, I'm kidding. It's my favorite thing. I mean, that's how, it's like always how I am with my parents. Even how I, I learned that, I think in a lot of ways from the way I saw my parents with their friends, you know, like it's really nice when you are consciously aware of how lucky you are to be surrounded by the friends that you're surrounded by. And that they not only feel as lucky, but know that you feel so lucky. It's just like a, a beautifully reciprocal thing. And that was like certainly the vibe that I got, especially because so many of his friends are from childhood. Right. And like, even in an article that we were reading, I think maybe last week when he went to Argentina for Taylor's show, they were talking about the fact that the reason that he wasn't there for the first night of the Aris tour is because he came directly from the charity gala that Patrick Mahomes hosts every year. And like, to be able to balance showing up for your friends and showing up for your girlfriend and showing up for the people in your life in that way, while also being one of now the biggest celebrities, the biggest athletes, like it just garners you so much respect in your personal life and in the public eye. Right. And I think that not, not to put a negative spin on this at all, but the, the trap that he now is kind of unfortunately in, which is not unique to him. It happens anytime a celebrity is built up in this way and kind of put on a pedestal in this way. It's like, as fast as they rise, as quick as they fall in terms of just like people have high expectations, right? And so it'll be interesting to see how kind of he navigates that. And I hope, I listen, people like will latch onto the smallest thing and I hope that that doesn't happen. But you have to recognize that with this type of praise also comes the ease of disappointment that could unfortunately arise. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, just to conclude, they're still on this tour in his roles and it says, Kelsey drives you past a jazz club he likes, a coffee place he used to frequent. Just recently, he concedes he could go to a Starbucks in Manhattan without anyone looking twice. Those days seem over. Minutes later, he's steering past a small airport where Swift's plane is often prominently parked these days. Is it there now, gleaming in the moonlight? The Kelsey Aris tour is coming to a close. Left unsaid, but palpable. She's at the house, waiting. Oh my God. I know, I know, I know. The Rolls pulls off the highway up to the hill to your hotel. You thank you for taking so much time for answering all your questions. As you step out of the Rolls, you turn, ask him one more. You ask him if you're going crazy or did he really say that thing when he first got in the car? Did he really point to a shooting star in the ceiling of his Rolls Royce and say, make a wish, dreams come true? He cracks up. He did, he said it. He's not running from it. What's more, it might just be true. How do you think I manifest it all? Finn. Oh, you know what's impressive? What? His ability to not be cringe. That is exactly how I fucking feel. But is that him or is that us? I don't know. It's like, what is that? Because I have not been cringed out yet. And that is like really, really hard. Well, I was just thinking like, if you swap like a Miami guy, like a Miami douchebag out with Travis in that scenario and you get into his Rolls Royce and he tells you to make a wish on the ceiling of his car, you're like, what the fuck is going on here? You're like, I don't even need to go to Carbone that badly. But Travis Kelsey does it and you're like, should I move to Kansas City? Right. Like I'm thinking about every guy on Raya, you know? Isn't that exactly what you're envisioning? Like the guy with MIA, NYC, LA in in the bio separated by the red pins. Like he tells you to make a wish on the shooting store and his roles are a Range Rover. And you're like, all right, I'm good. I'm going to get out right here. I would rather be in a Honda Odyssey than have a guy from Miami tell me to make a wish on the shooting star on the top of his Rolls Royce. Yes. Agree. Wait, you guys. So we just paused the podcast because Julia had to go to the bathroom. Obviously, when you listen to this, you won't hear the pause. So sorry if this feels a little unnatural. But while she was in the bathroom, I made a list just at random of like 12 objectively hot celebrity guys. And the game that I want to play with you is I'm going to list these names and you have to answer hot or cringe if they were to say the shooting star Rolls Royce line. But like watch what happens live style, quick, no explanation. I'm going to name the person you say hot or cringe. And if I very much disagree, because I wrote my answers next to it, I will interject. You ready? Ready. Okay. And obviously everyone play along. By the way, after we can explain our reasoning. Starting with number one, Blake Griffin. 
Hot. Michael B. Jordan. Hot. I said cringe. Bieber. Hot. <laughs> Jamie Foxx. <laughs> like, honestly, hot. I, that's, I swear it, to God, I wrote hot. I think that I'm wrong about Blake Griffin. I think Blake Griffin is cringe. I think I have to I, go back and change that answer. Okay, so can I tell you why? Oh, fuck, I, I love making rules and then breaking them. I know I said quick. Here's the thing. The reason that I said Blake Griffin hot and Michael B. Jordan cringe is because from what we know of their personalities, Blake Griffin is just like inherently very funny and Michael B. Jordan doesn't seem to be not saying that he doesn't can't be funny but no like he's not known for being funny <laughs> no. no personality is bad in bed stop so I feel like Blake would do it in a funny way whereas I can't imagine Michael B. Jordan saying it in a funny way like to me I envision that serious whereas Blake Griffin like it's so clearly a joke that was my reasoning but we can right. we can circle back okay David Beckham hi <laughs> Drake Cringe. <laughs> I said cringe. On my life, I said cringe for Drake, which is so out of character for us. It's out of character, but I'll never allow myself to be down so bad that I can't admit that Drake saying that is cringe. That's yeah. when that's when you need to seek help. Right. Okay. Chris Evans. I want to say hot, but it's kind of cringe. I said cringe. I said cringe. Also because like, what are you doing driving a Rolls Royce with shooting stars through Boston? He wouldn't. That's the thing. Jeremy Allen White. Bug, it's hot. <laughs> I was so torn on that because th- when I would think it's hot, I'm like, wait, you're telling me Lip from Shameless is asking you to make a wish on the shooting star of his phantom? Like, no. Next up, Andrew Garfield. Hot. Hot because he would really mean it. He really wants your wish to come true. <laughs> George Clooney. Cringe. Oh, <laughs> hot for me. And the last one, just, just... Just to throw a little wild card in there. Again, this was just objectively good looking, no personality wise. Tristan motherfucking Thompson. Cringe. There's no, that's the easiest one on the list. I could change all of those to hot except for him. And I would say that regardless of anything, there is just something about Tristan Thompson that obviously, regardless of anything else, cannot get away with saying that. Nope. <laughs> he, he tells me that I'm stopping the car. I'm leaning over, stopping the car and telling him to get out. I'm not even getting out. I'm saying, you get the fuck out. You walk. You would never Tell be in a car with Tristan. Don't tell me to wish. You wish. Yeah, you wish. <laughs> you give me the wishes after after we're done with you. <laughs> I want to put Chloe up to a lie detector test and be like, this is how I'll know for sure if you're good. Like, is this hot or is this cringe? And if she <laughs> says cringe, because I know she will, she'll want to say cringe. If the lie detector test says that she's lying and she thinks it's hot, then like, we're going to have to do something. Yeah. It, no, it wouldn't happen. There's no shot. By the way, I don't care who the guy is. I don't think, I don't think Chloe's liking that. Although the, the Chloe that loves an Instagram quote maybe does like making a wish on the Phantom. I just think, no, I think she has too good of a head on her shoulders to be into that. You can see Chloe like taking the, the quote from the Wall Street Journal article of Travis and being like, oh my God, love this. Hilarious. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. 
So we are very much shifting gears now. And before getting into anything, I just want to give a trigger warning for rape, domestic violence, sex trafficking. What we are about to be discussing is really disturbing. Not that we are going to go too in-depth on it, but I just want to make that known before going any further. So as I'm sure you all are aware of by now, a couple of days ago on the 17th, Cassie filed a lawsuit against Diddy in which she outlined cycles of abuse, domestic violence, sex trafficking, rape over their 10 years together. So they dated on and off from roughly 2007 to 2018. And her statement read, after years in silence and darkness, I'm finally ready to tell my story and to speak up on behalf of myself and for the benefit of other women who face violence and abuse in their relationships. With the expiration of New York's Adult Survivors Act fast approaching, it became clear that this was an opportunity to speak up about the trauma I've experienced and that I will be recovering from for the rest of my life. So Diddy then responded to this via his lawyer, saying, Mr. Combs vehemently denies these offensive and outrageous allegations. Ms. Ventura's demands of $30 million under the threat of writing a damaging book about their relationship was unequivocally rejected as blatant blackmail. Despite withdrawing her initial threat, Ms. Ventura has now resorted to filing a lawsuit riddled with baseless and outrageous lies, aiming to tarnish Mr. Combs's reputation and seeking a payday. And so this complaint was initially reported by the New York Times and it was obtained by People. And in it, it says that she first met Diddy in 2005. She was 19, he was 37. She then signed to his record label, Bad Boy Records. And she basically outlined that shortly thereafter, he kind of took complete control over her life, quote, thereby ensuring her inability to escape his holds. And I mean, there's so much here. And like I said, we are not going to do a full breakdown just because it it's highly, highly graphic. And I, if you feel that it's something you are able to stomach, I think it's important to go through that lawsuit because some of the stuff she outlines is so disturbing and heartbreaking and which I will get to in a moment, even though it is settled, it does not mean that what took place there is not worthy of attention. So initially she kind of explains how when they first met, he kind of positioned himself as almost like a father figure in her life. He was dating his ex, Kim Porter. She had a boyfriend at the time. Again, she was 19, he was 37. And she then kind of explains that he started pursuing a relationship with her. And then in 2007, she agreed to go on a date with him which she says, you know, there was definitely a fear there that if she continued to deny, there could be retaliation. So, I mean, in this, she she illustrates just like a, a terrifying existence that she was in for those 10 years that they were together of drug use. She describes him giving her, quote, copious amounts of drugs in allegedly, you know, forcing her to engage in these sexual acts with other men and filming those acts, how he would often exhibit, quote, uncontrollable rage. She alleges that sometimes the abuse would be so bad that he would then put her up in a hotel for a period of time in order to heal from the injuries privately, like really dark, twisted things that was so, for me at least, really difficult to get through. Like I felt it was important to do so, but it was really hard. I'm not even gonna lie to you. So that was on the 17th, the 18th, literally 24 hours later, this lawsuit is settled outside of court quote, amicably. Her statement says, I've decided to resolve this matter amicably on terms that I have some level of control. I want to thank my family, fans, and lawyers for their unwavering support. And her attorney said, I'm very proud of Ms. Ventura for having the strength to go public with her lawsuit. She ought to be commended for doing so. His statement said, we've decided to resolve this matter amicably. I wish Cassie and her family all the best. Love. And his lawyer then said in a statement to people, just so we're clear, a decision to settle a lawsuit, especially in 2023, is in no way an admission of wrongdoing. Mr. Combs' decision to settle the lawsuit does not in any way undermine his flat-out denial of the claims. He's happy they got to a mutual settlement and he wishes Ms. Ventura the best. I mean, there is like so much here and for this to be settled in 24 hours is uh, very, very necessary information. Yeah. I mean, I think people were shocked to see how quickly it was settled. I think the two things that people really uh, were very focused on were the initial report, which came with a trigger warning. And it is very unusual for documents like that to come with a trigger warning. And then also, again, how quickly it was settled. I mean, less than 24 hours. So it was incredibly, incredibly disturbing to read her account of, of what had taken place. 
I also just want to mention, because especially if you've been online a lot recently, I'm sure you've seen this as well. Sometimes when someone is brave enough to come forward, what can happen in the immediate aftermath is then other people, one, feeling empowered to be able to tell their story or the internet kind of doing their detective thing of then resurfacing old clips that maybe at the time didn't raise any eyebrows or went relatively unnoticed, but now given the context of this type of a lawsuit really do. And it's not uncommon for that to happen necessarily, but the extent to which it has happened with this particular case, I would say is overwhelming. I don't know if anyone else is feeling this way because I certainly get if it was too disturbing to consume any of this content because I had those moments too where like I had to remove myself. But I kind of have gone into this rabbit hole of just so many interviews from years ago, recirculating pieces of information involving so many different things. Not only, let's say, 50 Cent and stories that he would tell about Diddy and other males in the industry, but also former girlfriends, people discussing his relationship with Kim Porter, other accounts from people in the industry telling stories about certain parties or gatherings that had been thrown by him, which at the time, again, I wouldn't say that these were overly focused on, but the compilation of all of these together, specifically in light of this lawsuit, is like very jarring. Yeah. I mean, something that I've certainly noticed a lot of over the past couple of months prior to this statement and and these allegations from Cassie coming out is that people have spoken very openly about, I guess you would say, conspiracy theories involving Diddy and really feeling that there was a lot there. Again, prior to these allegations coming out, it was something that was very openly discussed on the internet. It was something where a lot of people felt like one day there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes out about him and people are too scared to speak out or haven't been taken seriously when they did speak out. And it feels very much like an open Hollywood secret, one of those. And so I think that there hadn't been a ton of weight behind what had been said on the internet previously. I think a really important clarification here is that as much validity may be behind those things, this was a very real complaint and a very real and serious allegation from somebody who bravely came out against Diddy. And so I think that looking back on everything that has been said about him prior to this certainly allows that stuff to be seen in a new light. This also needs to be treated as something where like, This isn't a theory. This isn't a conspiracy theory. This isn't something that's circulating on the internet where people are looking into past stuff. Like This is a very real statement that came out from somebody who is speaking about her very real experiences. Completely. And it's such an important point. And something that I just want to make abundantly clear is the amount of respect we both have for her coming forward in the way that she did. Because I have to imagine the process of even submitting this filing and gathering all of her experiences and the information in order to do so was probably unbelievably re-triggering, potentially traumatizing. Like I, I can't even imagine the amount of things that came with that. And I think sometimes what can happen is when you're reading through these documents while acknowledging how terrifying and disgusting all of these allegations are, you run the risk of like removing the person from it. And I just want to make it really known, like there was a person behind this that had to relive those experiences in order to come forward in this brave way. And I have nothing but respect for that and just really sending her a lot of strength. I commend her bravery hugely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com. 
the place to find a place. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality. And their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So we've been toying for a while now with the speculation of Adele and Rich Paul being married because as public as their relationship is in the sense of that we know it exists, it's very, very private, I would say. Like, yes, they're sitting courtside, but also we pretty much know nothing about what goes on. And according to a tip that was submitted to Dumois, apparently someone was at Alan Carr's comedy show that Adele was at and Alan asked the crowd if anyone had gotten married recently and Adele shouted, I did which if you remember, these rumors were initially sparked back when she was doing her show in Vegas in September and she referred to him as her husband, which after seeing the show in Vegas, I like totally understand how that interaction would have occurred because so much of what she does is like crowd work. Like she really talks to the audience a lot. So it would make sense to me after being there, how that interaction would have gone down. But yeah, I mean, I, I love them together. Me too. I love them together and I'm so happy for her. I'm so curious about the details of this wedding. Like the way that I see this going down is them having a very, very small ceremony at her house over the summer. Like really small. Like maybe LeBron was there and 10 other people. Yeah, like tiny, but like, oh my God, I'm so, so curious how that went down. Because we had also been speculating for a while that they were engaged and she never confirmed that. Listen, I will take any insight we can possibly get on that. I just can't imagine we'd be at in a lot anytime in the near future. Like to me, if she's revealing that it's in like a Vogue interview. I think we find with Adele that she does this thing, exactly what we're seeing here, where she kind of just drops pieces of information for us to pick up. So like the first time she said this, like you said, was at her concert when she referred to Rich Paul as her husband. And everyone was like, wait, since when are you guys married? Or is that just a term that you're saying? And then this, the confirmation of it came from the audience of a comedy show. Like this wasn't any sort of formal statement. This wasn't any sort of interview. This wasn't even anything that was public. It was a comedy show and people happened to have been in the audience. Well, not happened to have been, there's obviously going to be an audience, but people happened to have submitted to Dumois. But there's always a chance that she would have said that and it wouldn't have gotten out because of the audience being more private or something like that. But I think that we'll continue to get more information that we pick up just from being dropped in this sort of a way. It kind of has, just follow my thought process here, a little bit of the same energy of in last week's episode of Kardashians where Kim's at the Skims pop-up and she's so overtired and exhausted that she's going up to these fans and like fully telling them all these secrets about Skims, like that there's a men's line coming and this and that. And she says she didn't even remember doing that. And then, you know, she saw it on Twitter. And I said to you like POV, you're that fan and you're texting your friends like, I know you guys aren't going to believe me, but Kim Kardashian just literally revealed to me what Skims has upcoming. And like, it's so easy to gaslight that person. And then it shows it on the Hulu show and like how validated they must feel. I felt that way a little bit with this fan because obviously there's no like video footage at the comedy show. So it's a couple of people submitting it to Dumas, a couple of people saying it on Twitter. But in the scheme of things, even if there's 10 people confirming it, like it does feel like the kind of thing that could you could so easily be gaslit on. Like I'm sure Adele just confirmed her marriage in front of a bunch of strangers at a comedy show, but like <laughs> that actually happened. Well, it's just so uncelebrity like Like I feel like a lot of times or most times when celebrities do something, it follows this very specific playbook where they either divulge that information in a very calculated or very specific way, or they don't divulge it at all and kind of leave you to put the pieces together. Like if they're 
you know, exercising their right to privacy, it's like, oh, I noticed a ring on her finger and that's kind of it. Or they release a statement via their rep. It's very, very unusual that you will ever have a combination of both of those things, which is giving information in a very casual way while also being incredibly private. And it actually reminds me a little bit of, I mean, very different, but it reminds me a little bit of what we were saying with the Travis Kelsey thing, where obviously in Travis Kelsey's case, he's giving us a lot of information and he is really bringing us into his, he's bringing us into his life and via bringing us into his life, he's also sharing details of his life with Taylor. But Nothing about that is the norm in terms of the way that celebrities typically treat their relationships, especially new ones. And so this idea of kind of going off book between the both of them is just so fascinating to me. I know. And it's something that I know we are so unbelievably here for. Like the old formula is just far less exciting, you know? Absolutely. Also, just one positive note that we need to end on. According to Nicole Kidman... Season three of Big Little Lies is in the works. She was at a fan event. There was a video shared to Dumois on Friday where she says, I love Big Little Lies because it sort of came along at a time in my life when I had my children and I was thinking I was going to retire. And then this situation came along where Reese and I were able to produce that show and then all of you watched it and made it a massive success. And we'll be bringing you a third one, just FYI. And as a side note, a few days before this event, on November 12th, Reese, Zoe Kravitz, and Laura Dern we're seen getting lunch together in Brentwood, which could have been a coincidence or could not have. No. M, I need it to be true. Need it to be true, Julie. Like so fucking badly. Big Little Lies is, I mean, season one specifically, but it, it's my favorite show, like of all time, I think. It is unbelievable. You've never seen me like that with this show. You've seen me like that with Big Little Lies, The Undoing, and The Morning Show, I think. You really like, those are your three big shows. I actually haven't even seen you watch another show except for maybe Euphoria. Oh, and Euphoria. You know, I had a, I had a weeds phase. That makes sense. That fucking yeah. tracks. <laughs> anyway, that would just be unbelievable. Let's all manifest that from Nicole's mouth to God's ears. And I think that is all. We love you guys. I know the schedule was a little bit different this week because we didn't take off for Thanksgiving. So obviously we had to get all of our episodes recorded by... Wednesday and we're releasing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday because obviously our producer is off the rest of the week. So we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. Have a happy Thanksgiving and an amazing weekend. And we'll see you next week. We are so grateful for all of you. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.